Chapter eighty four of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter eighty four in which christiana goes over and dan loftus comes home this evening lily walsingham was early tired and very weak sally thought and more glad than usual to lie down in her bed and there her old and loving nurse fancied that she looked a little strange and that her thoughts sometimes wandered she lay very quietly for a good while and suddenly with a beautiful look and in a clear glad voice she said mother and old sally said there's no one dear miss lily but me but she was looking earnestly and with a rapt smile only said oh she thought she saw her i believe are these always illusions or is it only that as the twilight deepens and the shapes of earth melt into night the stars of heaven changeless and serene reveal themselves and shine out to the darkened eyes of mortals as aunt becky sat that night in the drawing-room with her niece a maid with a whisper placed a little note in miss gertrude's hand there was a little pause oh aunt oh and she looked so terrified oh aunt and she threw her arms round her aunt's neck and began crying wildly poor lily's gone there's the note then arose the wild wailing of unavailing grief and sobs mixed with early recollections of childhood and all poor lily's sweet traits poured out old aunt rebecca took the note her stoicism was the point on which she piqued herself most she looked very pale and she told her niece to be composed for aunt becky had a theory that feelings ought to be commanded and that it only needed effort and resolution so she read the note holding her head very high for the muscles of her face were quivering oh gertrude if ever there was an angel and the poor desolate old man the theory broke down and old aunt rebecca cried and sat down and cried heartily and went and put her thin arms round her niece and kissed her and cried and cried and kissed her again she was such such a darling oh gertrude dear we must never quarrel any more death had come so near and all things less than itself were rebuked in that sublime presence and lily walsingham was gone and she who was so lately their gay companion all at once so awfully angelic in the unearthly light of death who'd have thought it was so near mom said the maid the poor little thing though to be sure mom a winding sheet came three times in the candle last night and i turns it round and picks it off that way with my nail unbeknownst to mrs heeny for fear she'd be fretting about the little boy that's lying at home in the smallpox and indeed i thought twas for him it was but man proposes and god disposes and death forgets none the lord be praised and every one has their hour old and young mom and as i was saying 
they had no notion or expectation up at the elms mom she was so bad the heavens be her bed this night twas all in an instant like miss she made as if she'd sit up being leaning on pillows and so she put out them purty little hands of hers with a smile and that was all the purty crater everyone sorry after her the man was crying in the hall that brought the note the poor came to the door and made their rude and kindly lamentations they were all quite sincere his reverence was very good but he couldn't have the thought you know it was quite true everyone was sorry the brave magnolia's eyes were red when she looked out of the window next morning and jolly little dr toole said at the club ah sir she was a bright little thing a born lady such a beauty and the best little creature the town might well be proud of her in every way sir and he fell a blubberin and old major o'neill who was a quiet and silent officer cried in a reserved way looking into the fire with his elbow on the mantelpiece and toole said i don't know how i'll pass that house and many felt the same little lily was there no more and the elms were changed the light and the grace were gone and they were only dark old trees now and everyone felt a great desire to find some way any way to show their respect and affection for their good old rector and i'm sure he understood it for liking and reverence one way or another will tell their story the hushed inquiries at the door and little offers of useless services made by stealth through the servants and such like foolish kindnesses at such a time the evidence of a great but helpless sympathy are sweet as angelic music and who should arrive at night with all his trunks or at least a considerable number of them and his books and rattle-traps but honest simple dan loftus the news was true about his young charge he had died of fever at malaga and dick devereux was at last a step and a long one nearer to the title so dan was back again in his old garret travel had not educated him in the world's ways in them he was the same queer helpless tyro and his costume though he had a few handsome articles for travelling with a sprig of nobility he thought it but right and seemed to dress accordingly was on that account perhaps only more grotesque than ever but he had acquired mountains of that lore in which he and the good dr walsingham delighted he had transcribed old epitaphs and translated interminable extracts from archives and bought five irish manuscripts all highly illustrative of that history on which he and the doctor were so pleasantly engaged it was too late that night to go up to the elms but he longed to unpack his trunk full of manuscripts and to expound to his beloved doctor the treasures he had amassed and over his solitary teacup and his book the sorrowful news from the elms reached him and all his historical castles in the air were shivered in the morning before the town was stirring 
he crossed the bridge and knocked softly at the familiar hall door honest old john tracy opened it and dan shook hands with him and both cried for a while quietly how is the honored master at last said loftus he's there in the study sir thank god you're come sir i'm sure he'd like to see you i'll ask him dan went into the drawing-room he looked out at the flowers and then at the harpsichord and on her little walnut table where her work-basket lay and her thimble and a little coral necklace a childish treasure that she used to wear when she was quite a little thing it was like a dream and everything seemed to say poor little lily so old john came in and sir said he the master will be glad to see you and dan loftus found himself in the study and the good doctor and he wrung one another's hands for a long time oh dan dan she's gone little lily you'll see her again sir oh you'll see her again oh dan dan till the heavens be no more they shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep oh dan a day so long how am i to get over the time the loving lord sir will find a way but oh was there no pitying angel to stay the blow to plead for a few years more of life i deserved it oh dan yes i know it i deserved it but oh could not the avenger have pierced me without smiting my innocent darling oh she was taken in love not in judgment sir my pastor but in love it was the voice of the redeemer that called her an honest dan repeated through his sobs a verse of that song of songs which little lily had loved so well my well-beloved spake and said unto me arise my love my fair one and come thy way the old man bowed his sorrowful head listening you never saw anything so beautiful said he after a while i think dan i could look at her forever i don't think it was partiality but it seems to me there never was i never saw a creature like her oh noble noble sobbed poor dan the doctor took him by the arm and so into the solemn room i think you'd like to see her dan i would i would indeed sir and there was little lily never so like the lily before poor old sally had laid early spring flowers on the white coverlet a snowdrop lay by her pale little finger and thumb just like a flower that has fallen from a child's hand in its sleep he looked at her the white angelic apparition a smile or a light upon the face oh my darling my young darling gone he is not a man as i am that i should answer him but poor dan loudly crying repeated the noble words of paul 
that have spoken down to us through the sorrows of nigh two thousand years for this we say unto you by the word of the lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first and so there was a little pause and the old man said it was very good of you to come to me my good young friend in my helplessness and shipwreck for the lord hath hid himself from me but he speaks to his desolate creature my good dan through your gracious lips my faith i thought i had faith till it was brought to the test and then it failed but my good friend loftus was sent to help me to strengthen the feeble knees and dan answered crying bitterly and clasping the rector's hand in both of his oh my master all that i ever knew of good i learned from you my pastor my benefactor so with a long last look dan followed the old man to the study and they talked long there together and then went out into the lonely garden and paced its walks side by side up and down End of chapter 84 Recording by John Brandon